Are you glad to be saved? Are you glad the devil can't do a blessed thing about it? Amen. Now, here's what we're going to do. Uh, most of you know, most of you know on, on Wednesday night, we normally go through a uh, book of the Bible. Uh, and, and we make sure, usually go verse by verse through that. But we are in missions month this month. And so during that month, we will try to focus and hone in on uh, missions, our mission program, and, and try to inspire and motivate uh, with missions and as the topic. So we're going to continue to do that tonight. And uh, we're going to go back to the same scripture we talked about on Sunday in Second uh, Corinthians chapter number 5. So go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, and we're going to read the same verses, and we're going to uh, look at some things tonight that I hope will be an encouragement to you. Make sure up in the balcony, y'all help me again, and uh, stay with us. Uh, Very important that we pay attention. Uh, God's Word will help you in ways you can never imagine. And and there's one thing, there's one thing, I want to make sure I don't miss something, but there's another thing. I want to make sure I don't distract someone else from missing something. Because God will hold me accountable to that. Amen? So, so with that being said, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Uh, we're going to, last Sunday, we, we talked about the wrath of God. The whole message was on the wrath of God. He said, knowing the fear or the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Uh, today we're going to look at the opposite side, the opposite side of that spectrum. And we're going to look at the love of Christ, the love of Christ. Paul was motivated by the terror of the Lord, but he was also motivated by the love of Christ. So let's look in verse number nine, second Corinthians chapter five in verse number nine. If you're there, say amen. <clears throat> Wherefore we labor, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also made manifest in your conscience. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, and give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. Now, now let's everybody all read verses 13, or excuse me, verses 14 and 15 together. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, watch now, watch now, listen, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now, now let's read the very first sentence in verse number 14 and then we'll pray. Okay. Verse 14, let's all read together in concert for the love of Christ constraineth us. Everybody say that again. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Uh, Lord, thank you for those that are here tonight to study and to grow and to learn and to be encouraged, to be inspired, to be challenged and convicted. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us when it comes to this subject of missions, being mission-minded, being missional, uh, having a heart for souls and, and, and sharing and spreading the gospel. 
Lord, I praise you and I thank you. Thank you for your, your mercy. Thank you for the topic that we're going to talk about tonight. Thank you for your love. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move in our hearts. I pray that you'll, Lord, you'll just do something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. What we have to do for you cannot be manufactured. It cannot be worked up. It's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit in our heart through the Word of God. And I pray that you'll do that tonight. I pray that you'll help us, give us what we need, help us to all focus and pay attention. And Lord, I pray, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Control my mind, control my thoughts, my words. Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. And God will thank you and give you the glory and the praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. While you're seated, I want to read just a few verses. Uh, Paul is a church planner. Paul is a, uh, a disciple maker. He is probably one of the most prolific missionaries that's ever been and ever was. Uh, winning many, many souls, planting many, many churches. And, uh, and, and, but you got to understand, Paul did not have an easy road to hoe. Paul didn't have it uh, made in the shade. Paul had issues and Paul had problems and Paul had obstacles and difficulties along the way that we're going to talk about. And he said one of the things that motivated him, one of the things that propelled him to do what he did and how he did it was the love of Christ. The love of Christ for him, for Paul. And, and, and this is the word, if you, talk, if you got your notes in front of you, most of y'all picked up your notes when you came in, but uh, the word constrain means to compel, to force, to urge with irresistible power or with a power sufficient to produce the effect. In other words, there was something propelling him, compelling him, motivating Paul to accomplish what God had called him to do. Now, now watch it. Some of these, some of these things that we read in second Corinthians, uh, Paul begins to talk about his life. Paul begins to talk about the journey he's been on and the issues that he's had. He says in second Corinthians eleven twenty three, guys, you don't have this. Just listen up. If you want to write it down, look it up later. Second Corinthians eleven twenty three. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant. In stripes above measure. Stripes doesn't mean stripes on your arm. It means stripes on your back. It means beatings that he endured. He said in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. In other words, he was, his life was threatened with death multiple times. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. Night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things are, that are without. In other words, the things that are out there. But I also have what comes upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Paul had pressure. Second Corinthians 1, 8. He says this, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia. Watch what, watch where it, it, it put Paul to. That we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. 
Paul said, I was under so much stress and so much difficulty, so much hardship that I did not think I was going to make it. We despaired even of life. Second Corinthians four, eight, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Now, here's what I, here's the reason I read those verses to you. We are on a journey here in life. We have a command. We have a commission. God has called us to get the gospel to every creature. Do I have a witness? We have a responsibility. We have a goal. We've been praying about this month. We've been praying about what God wants us to give. We've been praying about what God wants us to do. We've been praying about where God wants us to go. Now, when you decide in your mind and in your heart to serve God and surrender completely and fully to him, the devil is going to come against you like you've never had or seen before. And you're going to have issues. You're going to feel like quitting. You're going to feel like throwing in the towel. You're going to feel like not going another step and not going another day. But you're going to need something to motivate you. You're going to need something to get you out of bed in the morning. You're going to need something to get you going to work. You're going to need something to get you to make sure that when you are at that place, when you don't think you can make it another day, you can say one more day, God, give me one more day. What did that? What was it? What was it that motivated Paul when he's been beaten? What was it that motivated Paul when, when he had stripes on his back and Brother Richie's sitting in a, in a prison and, and, and waiting to be executed? What was it, what was it that motivated Paul when, when he was betrayed by his brethren? Demas has forsaken him. Uh, John Mark went back. You know, all of these things that Paul experienced and Paul went through. But he kept on and he kept on and he kept on. Now, what was it? He says, the love of Christ constraineth us. It propels us. It motivates us. Really, the word somewhat means controls. And it moved Paul. First of all, he said in the very couple verses we read from Sunday, the terror of the Lord, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He said, we labor and we persuade men. That's what we're doing. That's what missions is all about. And we're trying our best to win people to Christ and share the gospel and share our faith. And he said, the wrath of God motivates us. But now he's saying, but that's not all. The the love of Christ constraineth us. And man, I started thinking about that. And we're going to do, Brother Nelms is going to be with us Sunday. And I was going to follow up next Sunday with, with this, but I just felt like it would be appropriate tonight to talk about that. To talk about the love of Christ. Go through the gospels. Go through the gospels and see the love of Christ and how it affected Christ himself and who he loved and how it, it, it uh, uh, affected his treatment of the one that he loved. And, and so as we do this, as, as you see, we're, it's going to be kind of topical tonight, but I want, I want you to understand the love of Christ. First of all, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one. Number one, if you have your notes right there in front of you, I want you to see, I want you to see his love for the father, Christ's love for the father, his love for the father. Now it says in your, in your notes, John 14, 31, 
John 14, 31. Are y'all looking at it? Say amen. But that the world may know, this is Jesus speaking, that the world may know that I, what? Love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I, I do. I want the world, Jesus is saying, I want the world to know I love the Father. And so as the commandment he's given me, so I do. Watch what it says in John 5, 30. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge and my judgment is just. Because, this is Jesus speaking now, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the which hath. Okay, now watch this. Luke twenty two forty two. This is, this is, here we go again. Saying, Father, this is Jesus, right? This is Jesus in the garden. Jesus is fixing to go to Calvary. He's fixing to go to the cross. He's under extreme, extreme pressure. He's praying to the point that his sweat becomes as great drops of blood. And he's praying to his father. And he says, Father, I know all things are possible with thee. I know all things are possible with thee. If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But what does he say? But not, but. Preacher, what are you saying? Because of Christ's love for the father, he submitted to him. Write that down. A, he submitted to him. He submitted to him. Now, obviously, obviously Christ is our example, right? Okay, let me say that again because half of y'all are asleep. Here we go. Obviously, Christ is our example, right? He is our example to follow. If Christ loved the Father, come on, we love the Father. Now, what am I trying to say with this? Christ's love for his Father motivated him to submit to the Father's now, if Christ loved the Father, guess what? We should love the Father. And by our love for the Father should compel us and motivate us to what? Submit to his... Does this make sense? Watch this now. He said, I want everybody to know I love the Father. His love for the Father motivated him to submit to his will. But then it also, it motivated him to please him. John 8, 29, John 8, 29. And he that sent me, he that sent me, this is Christ speaking again. He that sent me is with me. The father, amen, this is good, right? The father hath not left me alone. How many are glad God didn't leave you alone? He's with us, amen. Watch this now, everybody read it, everybody read it. For I do always those things that... Imagine that Christ's love for the father and the father's love for his son, that mutual relationship of the Godhead and, and the love that motivated him. He says, I love my father. So everything I do, I want to what I want to please him. Now there, there is a, there is something that we see with parents and kids, you know, at first, at first, uh, and, and we really got this out of balance and it's messed everything up. But in, in the very beginning, your, your little toddler, your little toddler, he doesn't, he doesn't do what you say because he loves you. 
He does what you say because you're going to pop that little fanny. Say amen. You're going you're gonna to apply the board of education to the seat of knowledge. With me? So we, 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 want, we want them to associate pain with disobedience. But, but there is a stage of, there is a stage of uh, maturity that comes. There is a stage of maturity that comes with a, a, a child and a parent. That the child grows up and it wants to obey the father or the mother, not because of the repercussions of not, not because they're going to get a spanking, not because, of, but because they love their parents so much, they want to please them. Listen, why do you, why do you think a kid, when you go, when you go to the ball game, when you go to the baseball game or you go to the softball game or the volleyball game and every now and then you'll see that kid do this. He's wanting to please you. He's wanting to get a hit, not, not so you will think they're a great hitter because they want to please you. Are y'all with me? And that's motivated by love. Preacher, what are you saying? We should have an inward desire. We should have a craving. We sh- it should be our goal in life is to please the father. Please, the, not because we, we think he's this, 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 uh, force up in heaven waiting to strike us down with a lightning bolt. No, we, we want to please him because we love him. Jesus said, I do always those things that please the father. But then watch this. This is something else I've seen. This is something else I've seen. I was digging into this and digging into this and looking at the relationship between father and son, specifically, specifically the love directed back to the father. You know, we, we see all the time, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I mean, you see that all the time uh, at the baptism, at the Mount of Transfiguration. But there's a few places where you see the love directed back from Christ to the Father, our example, back to the Father. And, 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 and we see that, he says, he submitted to him, he loves him, so he's obedient. He loves him, so he wants to do everything to please him. He has a desire to please. I always do the things that please my father. But then this one that that, the Holy Spirit just kind of led me to, that that just stood out, I guess, more than anything. And somebody's going to get some help from this one. On the cross, on the cross, at the very end, at the very end, Jesus said to the Father, Into thy hands, I commit my spirit. Preacher, what are you saying? His love for his father moved him to submit to the father's will. His love for his father moved him to do everything to please him. His love for his father moved him to trust him. Now watch, watch where I'm going. I can, I can back this up. Watch this. In Acts chapter number two, David, David he, we, we, see, we see Peter is, is rehearsing uh, what David did in a prophetic way in the Psalms. Acts 2.25, for David speaketh concerning him, talking about Jesus. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Now, this is, this is prophetically speaking, coming from Christ. Therefore, did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. This is, in other words, this is Christ 
speaking. This is Christ thinking. He says, moreover, also my flesh shall rest in why? This is in reference to the son's confidence in the father. What does he have confidence in? Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. When he committed his soul and life to the father on the cross, he said, into thy hands, I commit my spirit. He trusted his father that one day he was going to live again. And he trusted him. Even though he was under great pressure, even though he was under great, listen, uh, just a great act. The Bible says his soul was suffering even unto death. He was in great agony, but he loved his father. And because he loved his father, he trusted his father. He trusted him that if he died, listen, and that one day he would walk back out of that grave. Now, what is the point? What is the point? If Jesus is our example. If Jesus is our example, then we should submit to Christ. We should, excuse me, we should submit to the Father because we love the Father. We should love the Father and we should want to please the Father. And because we love the Father, we can trust the Father. You say, why should I trust him? When you've been beaten thrice. When you've gone through shipwreck, when you've got stripes on your back, when you're going through hell by the half acre, when everything is falling around you in your life, everything seems to be going wrong. Your dog bites you, your kids are acting up, the church people ain't doing right. Everything's going wrong. You're going to have to trust that God knows what he's doing. Because the path that God takes you is not always sunny. The path that God takes you is not always easy. Sometimes the path that God takes you is through the storm, not around it, not avoiding it, but right through the middle of it. And you're going to have to love him enough and know and trust his love for you that he knows what he's doing. Are y'all with me? Well, his love for his father influenced Christ and he trusted his father. He said, I'm committing my spirit to you. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So we see, we see Christ's love for the father. But then I want you to write this down. I want you, and we're going to get to the missional part in just a second. But you need to hear that. We see, we see Christ's love for the followers. For the followers. We're talking about the disciples. It says it specifically. It says it specifically in John chapter 13. They're going to, they're going to the upper room. This is the night of Christ's arrest. He knows that, that his time is very, very short. Watch what it says. John 13, 1. It's in your notes or it's up here, one or the other. All right. <clears throat> now, before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Read it with me. Having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the... He loved them. Now watch what this love did. This is the same night. This is the same night. Same situation. Same instance. Luke 22. Luke 22. And when the hour was come, when the hour was come, he sat down. And the 12 apostles with him. 
And he said, now what, what did we just read? He loved his own that were in the world and he loved them to the, all the way to the end. Now watch this. Watch what he says to him. When he gets them sitting down, when he has them settled in, they're fixing to have the, 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 the Passover, the last supper, if you will. This is what he said. Read it with me. With desire. Come on, everybody. Read it with me. With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now watch this. Jesus loved his followers. He loved his followers. And we see that in that first verse. But then in the, in, in the verse in Luke, it says this. He said, man, I wanted to have this meal with you guys. I desired with great desire. I couldn't wait to sit down with you. Now, here's what I want you to write down. Our love for the brethren. I'm talking about the saved. Our love for the brethren should motivate us and give us a desire to have fellowship with them. Write that down. Very important. If you love people, it should motivate you to want to fellowship with them. He said, man, I couldn't wait to sit down with you guys. I couldn't wait to, to eat with you guys. Couldn't wait to spend some time. I've got a, my, one of my great friends, Brother Rich Collins, is with us tonight. He's from Detroit. We're going to pray for him in Detroit. Say amen. He's, he's here, and, and I got a chance to spend a little time with him a few weeks ago, and, and we're going to spend the next couple days together training. We got some other pastors coming in. Man, I couldn't wait for him to get here just to be able to sit down and, and hey, let's talk. Things. How, how's things going? Uh, I can't wait for Wednesday night to come out here to spend time with you guys. Times that we get in fellowship in life groups and, and, and dinner on the grounds and, and different things like that. Man, that's just, you just crave it. And one of the things that made me see it even more was that stupid lockdown. When I would come in here all by myself and preach to that camera. And man, it would just kill me on the inside. And I would want to see you guys so bad. And I, I told y'all, I told y'all, I run into the gentleman at, at Chambers feeding seed. I was coming out and this was when we were still supposed to, you know, keep our distance and just wave and all that. I just seen him and I hadn't seen him in several weeks. And I, 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 I forgot all about, I just went up there and gave him a big old bear hug. I said, man, it's good to see. I was so excited to see him. I, I, I don't, I don't. I don't understand people who claim to be Christians who will not fellowship with the brethren. I don't understand that. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Because if you truly love the brethren, you're going to want to fellowship with the brethren. You're going to want to spend time with the brethren. You're going to want to hang out with the brethren. You, and, and, and these people that would, would rather, now don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. I think we need to hang out with sinners. I don't think we can ever reach sinners unless we spend time with sinners and befriend sinners and all that. But if you're more comfortable hanging out with sinners than God's people, something's wrong. Jesus did. He did go to sinners. He was a friend to sinners. And I, I, without a doubt, but I'm telling you, he spent the majority of his time with his followers because he loved his followers and the love that he had for his followers, the love that he had for the, the, the brethren, for the saved people of God, it caused him to have a desire to want to fellowship with them. 
And when you just throw out the, you just throw the verse out of the Bible, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Listen, that verse is there on purpose. I'll be honest with you. If you have a love for the brethren, you won't even need to quote that verse. No one will have to tell you don't forsake it. You'll want it. Well, I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I'm just going to be honest. Y'all get offended out there if you want to, but I'm just telling you. COVID revealed a lot of truth in the American church. When, they, when, when people had the ability to come back together and they chose not to, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Because Jesus' love, it, it motivated and prompted him to want a fellowship with the brethren. Now watch this. Watch what else it does. It created a desire for fellowship. He said, with desire, I desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. But then look at this. It created a willingness to sacrifice. Write that down. It created a willingness to sacrifice. Watch what it says. John 15, 12. John 15, 12. This is my commandment. This is my commandment that ye what? Love one another as I have loved you. Now watch this. He, he says, I want you to love each other like I've loved you. Now he gives the illustration. Greater love hath no man than this. Read it with me. That a. He said, you're my friends if you do what, sir, I command you. Now Jesus is saying, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. I want, listen, there's no greater love than when a man will lay down his life for his friends. Now we know. We know the context there is him dying for them, him dying for them. But there's another application and we'll see that in, in first John three sixteen. hereby perceive hereby perceive. What's the word perceive mean? It means to be able to see hereby. We perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for now read it with me, everybody. And we, hmm, now if there's any question about what that means, well, preacher, does that mean I need to take a bullet for somebody? Not necessarily. I think this is what it means. He explains it in verse 17. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shut up up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Jesus said, Jesus said, if you love somebody, you're willing to sacrifice for somebody. Matter of fact, there's no greater love than when a man lays down his life, is willing to sacrifice his life for somebody else. And I, I would have to agree with that. Amen. But then, then he says, listen, in first John three sixteen, he says that we should lay down our lives for the brethren. Then he gives an illustration of sacrificing, making a sacrifice for the benefit and well-being of somebody else. And what he's saying there is as God's people, we should love each other, especially the brethren. Paul said, especially the household of faith. Man, if there's anybody that we should go the extra mile for, if there's anybody that we should do everything we can to minister to and encourage and help and bless and support and sacrifice for, it's each other. 
God's people. And what Jesus is saying here, my love for the followers compelled me to be willing to sacrifice. To be willing to sacrifice. And, and so what that means, if he's our example, if I love you, if I love you, first of all, I want to be with you. And I want to fellowship with you. And I want to spend time with you. But it'll also mean that I'd be willing to sacrifice something material or time or whatever it is to bless you if you're in a time of need. Let me, let me, let me make that, let's just apply that. Let's apply that. I've, I've seen so many people that talk about, you know, not willing to be in a life group or not willing to be on a service team and volunteer. And they, well, I just don't have time. Well, you don't love your brethren. What does it mean to lay down your life? It means to set aside something that you really want to do for the betterment or benefit of somebody else. And we just, if we don't have time to minister to one another, we're too busy. Period. You know what? I found this out. Y'all ain't going to believe this and you ain't going to like this, but I'm just telling you. If I love something, I figure out a way to do it. I figure out a way to do it. I'll figure out a way somehow or another. If I really want it and I love, it's going to happen. So why don't we just be honest? We don't love each other like we should. Christ's love is so constraining. That's what Paul is saying. Listen, it'll cause you to do things you normally wouldn't do. Are y'all with me? Now watch this. Here's a, here's a biggie. Here's a biggie. All right. First of all, Christ's love for the followers created a, a, created a desire for B. It created a willingness to sacrifice. sacrifice. But then, yup, yup, yup. <laughs> oh my. This is not going to be an amen. This is going to be an old me. Y'all ready? First John four nineteen. First John four nineteen. Let's read it. Say it again. One more time. His love for the followers, it created a desire for fellowship. It created a willingness to sacrifice, but it also created an example in initiative. Initiative. He went ahead and took the first step, y'all. We love him because, say it with me, he did it first. He took the first step. He came to where we are, right? We couldn't get to where he was, so he came to earth. He came to where we were. Now, you say, well, how can we apply that? Because, you know, medicine don't do no good unless you apply it. How can we apply that? Quit waiting on that person to apologize and just go ahead and forgive them. They don't deserve it. I ain't saying they deserve it. You're not doing it because they deserve it. You're doing it because you love them. And your love is motivating you to take the... 
I, my first experience with the word initiative, <clears throat> some of y'all heard this before, but when I was growing up, most of y'all know, most of y'all know I grew up in the whipping era <clears throat> before timeout. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You mean spanking? I never got a spanking in my life. I got whoopings. Period. Okay. And, and listen, it wasn't just for misbehavior. If you got a bad report card, that wasn't happening neither. And I went to Christian school and they had, they had the, the grade section on there, a little block for the grade section. And they had a block for behavior. And, and it had a list of things in the behavior column. And, uh, and, and if you got a bad grade, it was Katie bar the door. But if you, if you ever, ever, ever got a check on that, on that behavior side, you might as well call the coroner. Cause your life was over. Well, I got, I got our progress report and I'm reading that progress report and I'm going through it and I'm on the bus coming home and I read that thing. And I'm telling you, the fear of God struck me. I seen a check in that behavior column. And I thought that thing said is inattentive in, you know, he's inattentive. That's how I read it. I guess my dyslexia messed me up. I don't know. But I said, inattentive? I'm attentive every time I go. I pay attention. What's this woman trying to do? Get me killed? What's wrong? And man, I started, you know how you do on the bus, you're all the way home. You're trying to figure out the excuse and tell what's going on. And I come home. I said, listen, mama, this teacher, she's never like, she's an atheist. She don't like preacher's kids. She don't like nobody. And I don't care what she put in that thing. I, she's lying. Well, mom's looking at it, trying to figure out what, what, you know, what she said, what are you talking about? She said, that, that lady said I was inattentive. And mom looked at it. She says, dummy, it says you show initiative. I said, that's a good woman, mom. She's a good woman. What's initiative? You do things because you're supposed to do it. And nobody has to ask you to do it. Every single staff member that ever comes on board here. They get, the, they get the talk. They get the speech. There's two things required. You don't have to be the smartest cat in the world. You, you, don't, you don't have to be the most intelligent. You don't have to be the most gifted. But there's two things you have to have to serve and work here. One is loyalty and the other's initiative. If I had to put my foot in your backside to get you to do your job, you ain't working here. There, there, there are certain staff members on, on, on this staff that's really, really, really good. I, I just about have to keep reins on them to hold them back. And I would much rather have to do that than get a whip. Are y'all with me? Jesus took the initiative. Jesus took the first step. If you're waiting for somebody to get right with you before you do the right thing, that's not the way it should be. Go ahead and forgive them. Go ahead and take the initiative and make that call. Go ahead and take the initiative and, 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 and make things right. Well, preacher, what if they don't apologize? It's irrelevant. It don't matter if they apologize because even if they apologize, you're not going to feel better about it. You're not going to feel better till you forgive them. 
Preacher, them people, just, they're just hard to love. I know it. But take the first step. Take the first step. Show initiative. You know what will cause you to show initiative? Real love. Jesus showed initiative because he loved you. We love him. See, love, that, our love for him is a response to his love for us. And all God's people see it. So let's, re- let's rehearse. Got a short period of time. All right, you ready? You ready? His love for his followers, A, created a desire for. B, created a willingness to. But then C, it created an example of initiative. Take the initiative. Let's not wait. Let's do the right thing without having to be asked. Let's do the right thing without having to be begged. I read a verse this morning and I posted it. The Bible says confidence in an unfaithful man is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. And I made this post. Do you have enough character to be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there? Or does somebody have to beg you and plead with you? And If that's the case, something's wrong. Stop blaming. If you're mad at home right now because somebody hadn't come visit you because you've missed the last two or three months, that's not their fault. Just be be honest and say, I've got a spiritual problem. That's the best thing we could do. Take the initiative. Hello. Man, y'all got quiet all of a sudden. Some of y'all holding grudges in here? What's up? Nobody, Nobody has to beg me to come to church. None. Zero. I want to be here. Hello. Take initiative. Take initiative. If you know something you need to do, just go ahead and do it. Don't wait for somebody to ask you. Don't wait for somebody to beg you. Don't wait for somebody to pat you on the back. Just do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. And all God's people say it. Now, all that was the intro. Now we're going to get to the missional part, right? That's why we're here. Missions. Missions month. How many of y'all can agree with me? In the Gospels, we find that Jesus loved the Father. How many of y'all can agree with me that Jesus loved his followers? He sure did. Man, he calmed them when they were afraid. He fed them when they were hungry. He even corrected them when they were wrong. The Bible says, whom, whom the Lord loveth, he, he chasteneth, right? And man, he loved his followers. But this is where I really want to get tonight. And this is where I want to see this in Temple Baptist Church in, in a great way. Jesus loved the Father. Jesus loved the followers. But my goodness, Jesus loved the fallen the fallen. He loved sinners. He loved sinners. Now let's, let's read. Watch this. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter nine. Just take your, take your Bibles. I I broke it up in your, in your, in your points, but let's just, let's just read slowly through Matthew nine. Man, this is an awesome, awesome set of verses. 
that speak about Jesus and <clears throat> Matthew chapter nine in verse thirty five. Matthew nine thirty five. When you get there, say amen. amen. <clears throat> and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved. That word move is an inward. In other words, it, it affected him in his gut. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? That inward groaning, that inward feeling, that inward pain, something that touches you on the inside. He was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now let's break that down. Let's look at these three, three or four verses real quick. We see Christ's love for sinners. First of all, his love affected his activity. His love affected his activity. If you look in your if you look in your notes, if you look in your notes, I underline certain words there. Matthew nine thirty five, two words, two words here. And come on, say it with me. And if you love sinners, you'll go. Hello. And Jesus went. He didn't say y'all come. He said, you go. You go. If we love sinners, we will go. He went. Now watch this. Watch this. All the cities, villages. Now watch. Say it with me. What was he doing? Teaching in their synagogues and preaching. And what's the, what's the next word? Healing. Every sickness. You put the word ministry there. Minister. He went preaching, teaching, serving, ministering, relieving the broken, relieving the hurting, helping the needy. Preacher, what are, what are you saying? I'm saying this. If we love sinners, we're not going to sit in this building and just study and get so fat on scripture that we let the whole world die and go to hell because we're not willing to go tell them. He loved them so he went where they were. He loved them so he spent time with them, even when it brought about criticism. Even when the, the and, and I love the criticism. He's a friend of sinners. What a great thing to be told, amen? But his love affected his activity. And I'm telling you, it will. Your love will affect your activity one way or the other. If you don't love people, you're not going to help people. If you don't love people, you're not going to witness to people. If you don't love people, you're not going to go to people. His love affected his activity. His love affected his actions. His love affected what he did. And ladies and gentlemen, our love for sinners will affect our actions and our behavior. Somebody say amen. amen. He went to him. He went to him. Then, then be, write this down, write this down. This is good. 
Listen, his love affected his, a, his. Then watch this. Verse, verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, when he saw them, I don't remember where this is. Uh, Griggs looked this up for me. Uh, I believe it's in Job, but it's mine eye affecteth my heart. Mine eye, mine eye affecteth my heart. I think it's in Job. But watch what it says. When he saw, say it with me. When he saw the multitudes. He's seen all these people. He's seen all these sinners. He's seen all these people. And it says this. When he saw them, he was moved with what? Compassion on them. He was moved with compassion on them. So his love for sinners affected his activity, but it also affected his attitude. It affected his attitude. Now, now write that down and I'm going to I'm gonna have to do a little repair from Sunday morning. Because I think some of y'all got the wrong idea of my feelings on stuff. On some stuff. Uh, there, was, there was anger. There was anger in my emotions Sunday. Speaking about the wrath of God. Especially the present wrath. We are under the judgment of God. We said it, Romans chapter 1. It is in stages. It goes from, from promiscuity to perversion to psychosis. Psychosis is a complete detachment from reality. And that's where we're living in our world today. Now, but I need you to understand what I was angry at. It wasn't at the center. It's at the culture. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. We should be angry at the culture. We can never be a friend to the world. Does everybody understand that? But when we see the sinner, we have to have compassion. And we have to see them as broken. We have to see them as blinded. The Bible says the God of this world hath blinded their minds lest they believe in the glorious gospel. Right? It, Satan has them in bondage. Many of them cannot help what they're doing. They cannot help. You can. You've been delivered. But they are still in bondage. And when we see the culture, we need to hate the culture. But when we see the sinner, we need to have compassion and be broken over them. Does that make sense? And that's hard. Sometimes that's hard to, to detach to detach the sinner from the sin. It's hard to detach culture from the person caught up in it and in bondage in it. But we've got to understand, we've got to understand, we have to love people and we have to love sinners. We can hate the culture and at the same time love the sinners. And there's a fine line there. And we got to be careful that our zeal not overflows and we get to hating people and not. Hello. Amen. He was moved with compassion. He said, how compassionate was he? Well, look at Luke 1941. <clears throat> look at Luke 1941. And when he was come near, he beheld the city. This is Jerusalem, by the way. And when he was come near, he beheld the city. And now the word wept here is not little sniffles. 
If you study that word out, the Greek word, it means to sob. It means to wail. He was broken. He sees people who refuse to believe and in their unbelief. He knew what was coming in 70 AD. And he knew the judgment that they were under. He knew their condition and he knew their future. And he wept over it. Now I want to ask you a question. It's going to be tight. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling myself because I had to preach to me and make some things right with God for my own self. There's a thing that on social media right now about an event that's being held in town. A coming out event. And there's tons of people posting on how angry they are and they're mad and they want to do this and they want to do that. I wonder how many people sobbed and wept and were broken and seen people who were blinded by Satan and had compassion. Preacher, you just seem to be compromised. No, I'm not compromising. I hate that culture. I hate that sin. I hate it with a passion. But you got to be able to detach the culture from the broken person that's caught up in it. And for some reason, for some reason, Christians have a tendency to be selective in their outrage. Yep. So, so love will affect your attitude. Well, I just can't do that. Well, then you might need to spend some more time with Jesus. Because I did. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad Jesus loved you? I know all y'all was perfect when he found y'all. Let's, let's do a little survey. How many, how many of y'all were a mess when Jesus found you? How many of y'all, be careful and listen to everything before you raise your hand. How many of y'all deserve for Jesus to love you? Deserved it. You deserve Jesus to love you. None of us. So what gives us the right to hate on a sinner who hadn't seen the light yet? Preacher, what are you saying? Love will affect our missional mind and our attitude. It will move us, it will move us from despising to having compassion. It will move us from cursing to sobbing. From anger to weeping. And boy, if there's ever been a time that God's people need to be broken for sinners, it's today. And all God's people say it. Now watch this. Watch this. The verse gets, gets deeper. 
Matthew 9.35 says his love for sinners affected his activity. Matthew 9.36 says his love affected his attitude. He was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He wept over them. But then see, Matthew 9.37, watch this. Then... Then saith he unto his disciples. Now watch this. When he saw the multitude. Says this. He looked at his disciples. And let's just say we're disciples, right? That's not a trick question. It really ain't. Right? We're disciples. We're trying to follow Christ the best we know how, right? So he's saying to his disciples, you're his disciples. I'm his disciple. Watch what he's saying to us. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to us, y'all. He's talking to us. Jesus is talking to us right here. The harvest truly is, but the labors are. Watch everybody read it with me. Everybody read verse 38. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Christ's love for sinners, A, affected his. A. His activity. B, it affected his. Asking. Then C, it affected his asking. It affected what he prayed for. When's the last time you said, God, please send somebody? God, we've got, we've got 80,000 people in Coleman. Lord, give us some help. Give us some laborers. I'm afraid, I'm going to just tell y'all, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of sitting around complaining about we don't have no help. When Jesus told us what to do about it. Sometimes I can only see what's in front of me. And I get frustrated. I get frustrated. I'm thinking, man, I see the need and I see the multitudes and I see the the, the, the sinners that need to get saved, and I see the churches that need to get planted, I see the disciples that need to get made, and I just, and Lord, it just seemed like we just don't have, and, 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 and instead of being obedient and, and doing what he did, and told, he, matter of fact, he told us to do it. We try to hold on and do it ourselves. And I'm going to tell you, that's frustrating. It will wear you Let's just stop a minute and say, God, send some, send some warriors. Send some soul winners. But let me say this. Let me throw this in there. We got to be willing to say, here am I. Go ahead and say it, y'all. The other part. Yeah. I know that part. I love it. Did y'all hear how that worked? Here am I. Amen. Let's try that again. You ready? Lord, send me and a bunch of others. Because it is truly, we got to understand, it is his harvest. I think sometimes we take too much ownership of things. I heard uh, uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers Dr. Adrian Rogers was in a, uh, 
was in a uh, preacher's fellowship, round table type thing. There was like 20, 30 preachers in here and they were asking him questions. You know, this was when he was still alive. And, and, uh, and man, I love those kind of sessions. I'm telling you, this is my favorite kind of sessions. I, some of the greatest nights in Bible college is when Preacher Brown just come in and said, all right, what you got? And he, and he let us just ask question after question after question. It's, it was awesome. I mean, that was the greatest time. But one guy, he was just frustrated, and he was struggling really bad in the church, and he was struggling really bad with his, his wife in, uh, in, in the relationship in the home. And, and, uh, and he said, listen, I, I'm, I'm trying to balance all of this. I'm trying to take care of this and take care of her. And he said, sir, he said, whose bride is the church? He said, well, Christ. He said, whose bride is the one you got at home? And you know the answer. He said, let him take care of his. And you go home and take care of yours. Now, here's the point I'm trying to make. If this is truly God's work, and it is, and the harvest is truly God's harvest, let's do everything we can. But let's pray, God, in, in trusting that he's going to send the laborers that's needed. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Here, here's, what, here's some wise advice. Here's some wise advice I got. Pray like everything depends on God. And work like everything depends on you. If we do that, if we do that, we're going to be very effective in our missions program. We're going to be very effective in winning souls. We're going to be very effective in disciples making disciples. But we got to understand, Paul said it best, the love of Christ constraineth us. Are you being motivated by the love of Christ tonight? Are, 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 are you, <laughs> is the love of Christ keeping your head above water? Amen. I read all of that list of all of the hell on earth that Paul went through. And I had to say, how did he do it? Well, he gave us an answer. He said, the love of Christ constraineth us. It compels me. It motivates me. It moves me. Now, here's what I need you to do. We're, we're, we're like in the red by three minutes. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to stand up first. So some blood can get to your brain. Everybody, everybody stand up, stand up, stand up. Now I'm going to be the first to admit I got work to do. So I'm going I'm I'm to go ahead and raise my hand. I got, I got work to do. In those three areas where we saw Christ's love, we saw Christ's love for the Father, we saw Christ's love for the fallen. We saw Christ's love for the followers. Now, does anybody like you, preacher? We've got some work to do. I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to tell you this right now. You can't manufacture that. Brother Rich, there's been times in ministry I've tried to like somebody. And I've tried to love somebody on my own. And it always boiled down, I want to choke them to death. I mean, there's just some people need extra grace. Say amen. 
But then when I just sat and I said, God, I don't have it in me. I need yours. If we're struggling one of those three areas, or all three, we need to get with Christ and say, give me yours. Give me yours. Lord, I'll do those things and I'll be obedient in those ways if you'll give me yours. I don't have it in me and nobody does. It is his love in us manifested through us. So let's beg him for his love tonight. And all God's people see it.